So first we'll um, just read the text of Psalm 12 and then we'll pray and then we'll get into the word this morning. Psalm chapter 12, we read there, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity, every one with his neighbour, with flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things who have said, with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are our own, who is Lord over us? For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now will I arise, saith the Lord, I'll set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them, from this generation forever. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, it is a joy uh, to be here this morning, Heavenly Father, and uh, uh, the whole reason that we gather is because of you and because of uh, your only begotten Son, our Saviour, God manifest in the flesh that came into this world to die for our sins, to pay that sin debt that we cannot pay that is the whole reason that we're here this morning and that we can sing these wonderful hymns and uh, see in your word your goodness and your mercy and your love. And uh, as we look, look at your word this morning, Lord, help us to be attentive to it, Lord, that we may learn thereby. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So here in this Psalm of David, uh, we get a glimpse uh, of how he was feeling. And I believe, no doubt, this was at a time... Uh, of persecution that he was uh, getting by his predecessor, King Saul. King Saul is a, a sad story uh, of a man who started off well uh, as a king of Israel, but over time uh, he was lifted up uh, in pride and he strayed away from the dependence that he had uh, upon the Lord, which led to basically blatant disobedience. But the Lord eventually uh, withdrew his favour uh, from King Saul and uh, placed it upon David. And uh, Saul, even though he remained the king uh, until his death, uh, he didn't like the fact that the Lord's favour was upon David and uh, uh, who would eventually become king of Israel himself. And we see the time in 1 Samuel chapter 13, and now uh, this is spoken through Samuel the prophet, when the Lord's favour was removed from Saul because of his disobedience. And uh, we read from verse uh, 13 in 1 Samuel 13. <coughs> and Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord, uh, the Lord hath sought him, look at this, a man after his own heart and the Lord hath commanded him to be captain over his people because thou hast not kept that which the Lord uh, commanded thee and uh, Peter also uh, in the book of Acts also referred back to this uh, when he was telling his own countrymen the, the Jews the gospel in Acts 13 22 to 23 uh, we read and when he that's God 
had removed him, speaking about Saul, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Uh, and verse 23, of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a saviour, Jesus. See, that's what God wants from people. Uh, he just wants people that are faithful to do uh, what he wants them to do. And uh, God had a plan that he'd planned from before the foundation of the world. And that plan was Jesus Christ coming into this world to die on a cross for the sins of the people. And he was going to get that plan fulfilled with or without Saul. He was going to get that plan fulfilled. All the promises of God through the nation of Israel lead to the fulfilling of that plan. Saul wasn't on board at, at, uh, with that plan. He started off well, uh, but he wasn't on board, uh, which eventually showed in his actions. So when the Bible talks about uh, a heart being after God's own heart, in this sense, it is speaking about the uh, inward desires of the heart. See, David had an inward desire to please the Lord. Uh, he had to a desire to do whatever the Lord wanted him to do. In this, in this sense, he was a man after God's own heart. He didn't have the same heart as God. No one's got the same heart as God. But he wanted uh, what God wanted. Uh, so in that sense, he was a man after God's own heart. Uh, there was this time where Saul, he was just out to get David. He just wanted to get rid of David. And it was during these times uh, that we have a lot of the Psalms of David that describe how he was actually feeling during these times and uh, how he uh, coped with the situation. But the first thing we see here in this psalm is David's cry for help. And, uh, but I want you to notice his source of help. He says, help Lord, help Lord. See, a man after God's own heart, uh, when he's in times of trouble, he doesn't try to take matters into his own hands. His first port of call is help Lord. And uh, we live in a world today uh, that for the most part doesn't even recognise the Lord as the creator of all things, let alone call upon him for help. And uh, our society has become so godless uh, that if you are a man or a woman that calls upon the Lord uh, for help, you're seen as a loony. That's the way the world sees you these days. But this has always been the same in every generation. Some generations more than others. Uh, but in every generation, the people that call upon the Lord are the ones that are mocked by the majority. That's just the way it is. And usually behind their back. That's how it happens. But this is what David was seeing in his day. He says there in verse 1 of Psalm 12, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. So even the man that was supposed to be David's mentor, uh, King Saul, couldn't be trusted anymore. Even he couldn't be trusted. He started off faithful to the things of God. And over time, he let his pride overtake him and he became disobedient, blatant disobedient to the Lord. Verse 2, They speak vanity, everyone with his neighbour, with flattering lips and with a double heart, do they speak. See, if there's one thing that God especially hates. It's lips of flattery uh, spoken with a double heart. That's one thing that God hates. 
You know, saying one thing with your mouth uh, to flatter someone, but inwardly uh, you just, you're against them and you just want their ruin. And the Bible warns of this. In Proverbs 23, 6, 6 to 8, we read, Eat thou not the bread of him that hath an evil eye, neither desire thou his dainty meats. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. The morsel which thou hast eaten shall, be, shall thou vomit up and lose thy sweet words. So everything looks good on the surface. Everything looks good. You know, come and eat with me, uh, they say. You know, eat and drink, saith he to thee. But that's not how he's really thinking. That's not what he's really thinking. You know, because in his heart he's thinking otherwise. You know, for as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. That's how he's really you know, that's the real person of how he's really thinking in his heart, not necessarily what he's saying with his mouth. But their heart isn't with you. It's against you. It's just flattery. Flattery. Proverbs 29.5 says, A man that flattereth with his neighbour uh, spreadeth a net. Uh, a man that flattereth his neighbour spreadeth a net for his feet. You know, they use flattering words, but really they just want to trap you. They're using these, these words just to try to, to, to catch you out. That's why they're doing it. And Proverbs 26, 23 to 25 says, Burning lips and a wicked heart are like a potsherd covered with silver dross. So it's all silver and shiny on the outside. It just looks beautiful. You just think this is a beautiful silver uh, ornament, you know. Uh, but just underneath, it's just clay. It's just clay. It's not genuine at all. And uh, verse 24 says, He that hateth dissembleth with, dissembleth with his lips and layeth up deceit uh, within him. You know, their words are carefully chosen and they sound good on the surface, but they are thinking the opposite. They're thinking the opposite in their heart. Verse 25, And when he speaketh fair, believe him not, for there, are, for there are seven abominations in his heart. See, David experienced this firsthand uh, with Saul. David, at times, he didn't know whether Saul was going to uh, hug him or kill him. This is uh, how Saul was towards David. So turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel, and we're going to do some reading here. So 1 Samuel, chapter 23. See, Saul, he was, just, he was always out to get David always out to get rid of him. But whenever Saul spoke to David, you wouldn't know that he was out to get him. You wouldn't know it. Because so look at verse 7. So 1 Samuel chapter 23, and we'll look at verse 7. It'll be up here on the screen as well. And it was told Saul that David was come to uh, Keilah. And Saul said, God hath delivered him into mine hand, for he has, for he is shut in by entering into a town that hath gates and bars. And Saul called all the people together to war to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. And David knew that Saul secretly practiced mischief against him. And he said to Abiathar, the priest, bring hither the ephod. See, Saul wasn't open about how he felt about David. In word, he was full of praises. But secretly, he wanted to kill him. Secretly. And it showed with his actions. His words couldn't be trusted. 
And then David, he sought to help, uh, he sought help and then uh, counsel from the Lord and, and he avoided Saul at this time. But if you go down to, uh, look at verse 10, then said David, O Lord, God of Israel, thy servant hath certainly heard that Saul seeketh to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me up into his hand? Will Saul come down as thy servant hath heard? O Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant. And the Lord said, He will come down. Then said David, Will the man of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will deliver, they will deliver thee up. See, for David, he had heard that Saul was going to do this, but sometimes he just have trouble believing it to be true. Surely, surely he's not coming to destroy a whole city just to get to me, would he, Lord? Surely. Yep. Sometimes even the people that you think have got your back can turn on you in an instant. Some, sometimes people, you think, man, you're good with them. And they can just turn over the silliest of things too. And that's why our relationship with the Lord should be absolutely paramount. Absolutely paramount. Because the Lord can always be trusted. Always. See, God's never going never gonna to go back on his word. And what he says, you can just believe that. You can believe it. What you see in the word of God that is written about the Lord can be trusted. And his character is never going to change. Never. Verse 13, Then David and his, uh, and his men, which were about 600, arose and departed out of Keilah and went whithersoever they, they could go. And it was told Saul that David was escaped from Keilah and he forbear to go forth. <coughs> but Saul, even uh, after this time, he never stopped pursuing David. You'd think he would stop now, but no, he kept pursuing David. So look at verse 19. 1 Samuel 23, verse 19. Then came up the Ziphites to Saul to Gibeah, saying... Doth not David hide himself with us in a stronghold in the wood, in the hill of uh, Hakilah, which is on the south of Jeshimon? Now therefore, O king, come down according to all the desire of thy soul to come down, and our part shall be to deliver him into the king's hand. Now I want you to look and see here at the pious dribble that comes out of the mouth of Saul. This is just pious dribble here, as if he's doing this for the Lord. I mean, you could say this in sincerity, and it could be for the Lord, but this, isn't, this is just pious dribble. And Saul said, blessed be, ye, blessed be ye of the Lord, for ye have compassion on me. Go, I pray you, prepare, prepare yet, and know, and see his place where his haunt is, who hath seen him there, for it is told me that he dealeth very subtly. See, Saul had all these people around, around him, swindled into thinking that Saul was the one that had been hard done by. And uh, poor me, poor me. This is you know, how he had all these people thinking. But it was Saul that didn't have any compassion. He's saying, it was David that, you know, you've had compassion on me. He was the one that wasn't being com compassionate. It wasn't David that was dealing in subtly. In subtly, it was Saul that was being subtle. David was just trying to get away from him. That's what David was doing. But Saul wanted him dead. Saul continues, See therefore and take knowledge 
of all the lurking places where he hideth himself, and come ye again to me uh, with the certainty, and I'll go with you, and it shall come to pass, if he be in the land, that I'll search him out throughout all the thousands of Judah. And they arose and went to Ziph before Saul, but David and his men were in the wilderness of Moan, in, that, in the plain that is on uh, the south of Jeshimon. Saul also and his men went to seek him, and they told David, wherefore he came down into a rock and abode in the wilderness of Moan. And when Saul heard that, he pursued after David in the wilderness of Moan. And Saul went on this side of the mountain, and David and his men on that side of the mountain, and David made haste to get away for fear of Saul. So, I mean, Saul was just relentless. Relentless. You know, he's just getting away from, from, from fear of Saul. For Saul and his men compassed David and his men round about to take him. But there came a messenger unto Saul, saying, Haste thee, and come, for the Philistines have invaded the land. Wherefore Saul returned from pursuing after David, and went against the Philistines. Therefore they called uh, that place uh, Selah, Hama, I can't really say that word very well, but Hamahalakoth, that'll do. But, and David went up from thence, and dwelt in, a, in strongholds in Engadai. So you'd think that Saul, even now, you know, it's happened again. You think he's had enough and just leave him alone now. But no. Now, even after coming back from war and uh, defeating the Philistines, you'd think, you know, he'd want a bit of a rest or something like that. But he has another crack at David. Has another. Look at chapter 24. Look at verse 1. 1 Samuel 24, verse 1. And it came to pass, when Saul was returning from following the Philistines, that it was told him, saying, Behold, David is in the wilderness of Engadai. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all of Israel and went to seek David and his men upon the rocks of the wild goats. And he came to the sheep coats by the way where was a cave. And Saul went in to cover his feet, and David and his men remained in the sides of the cave. And the men of David said unto him, Behold, the day which the Lord had said unto thee, Behold, I will deliver thine enemy into thine hand, that thou mayest do to him as it shall seem good unto thee. Then David arose and cut off the skirt of Saul's robe privily or privately. See, David uh, could have counted Saul. He could have counted Saul as his enemy, you know, but uh, he wasn't really... It was Saul that was count Saul was counting David as his enemy. David wasn't counting Saul as his enemy. That this this is the way it was. You know, David refused to do that. He could have easily taken Saul out here. You know, like he did with Goliath the Philistine. There's no problems with David's abilities. Uh, he could have done that, uh, but he didn't. You know, because a Philistine was a true enemy to David. But David had compassion. On Saul. He was the king of Israel. He was the man uh, that was used of God. Yes, you know, Saul, he had abused his position and he wasn't right with the Lord, but David didn't count him as an enemy. He didn't. So David just cut off a little bit of Saul's clothing, you know, without him even noticing. But, but even then, it smote his heart that he did even done that. Even then, he, oh, what, what did I do that for? Look at verse 5. 
And it came to pass afterward that David's heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. And he said unto his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing unto my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch forth mine hand against him, seeing he is the anointed of the Lord. So David stayed his servants with these words and suffered them not to rise against Saul, but Saul rose up out of the cave and went on his way. So what, a, what an attitude. What an attitude we, there, we have there from David. There was no guile in him at all, even towards someone that was pursuing, them, pursuing him that wanted him dead. Verse 8, David also arose afterwards and went out of the cave, look at this, and cried after Saul, saying, My lord the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David stooped with his face to the earth and bowed himself. And David said to Saul, Wherefore hearest thou men's words, saying, Behold, David seeketh thy hurt? How quick people are to hear a false accusation. How quick they are. Instead of going to the person themselves to see if something is true, they just blindly believe what someone tells them. David never wanted to hurt Saul. But this is the things that people were telling him. Why? Look at this, verse 10 says, Behold, this day thine eyes have seen how that the Lord has delivered thee today into mine hand in the cave. And some bade me kill thee, but mine eyes spared thee. And I said, I will not put forth mine hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. Moreover, my father, see, yet yea, See the skirt of thy robe in my hand, for in fact, uh, so, sorry, for in that I cut off the skirt of thy robe and killed thee not. Know thou and see that there is neither evil nor, transdre nor transgression in mine hand, and I have not sinned against thee, yet thou huntest my soul, my soul to take it. The Lord, look at this, and then he says, The Lord judge between me and thee. And the Lord avenge me of thee, avenge me of thee, but mine hand shall not be upon thee. See, David, he was just happy to leave it to the Lord. Leave it to the Lord. Verse 13. As saith the proverb of the ancients, wickedness proceedeth from the wicked, but mine hand shall not be upon thee. After whom is the king of Israel come out? After whom dost thou pursue? After a dead dog? After a flea, the Lord therefore be judge and judge between me and thee and see and plead my cause and deliver me out of thine hand. See, that's how Saul was treating David, treating, treating him like a, a, a dog, a dead dog or, a, or just a flea. This is how he was treating him. Verse 16, And it came to pass when David had made an end of speaking these words unto Saul, that Saul said, Look at this, look at this. Is this thy voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. And he said to David, Thou art more righteous than I, for thou hast rewarded me good where I hath, have rewarded thee evil. And thou hast showed this day how that thou hast dealt well with me, for as much as when the Lord had delivered me into thine hand, thou killest me not. For if a man find his enemy, will he let him go well away? 
Wherefore the Lord reward thee good for that thou hast done unto me this day. And now behold, I know well that thou shalt surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in thine hand. Swear now therefore unto me by the Lord that thou wilt not cut off my seed after me and that thou wilt not destroy my name out of my father's house. And David swore unto Saul, and Saul went home, but David and his men get them up unto the hole. So it sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds really good. You know, you'd think that everything's all good now. You know, you'd think that Saul is genuinely sorry, you know, for the way he was treating David. But he wasn't. He wasn't. He was just speaking vanity with his neighbour. That's what he was doing. He didn't really mean it. He was just being flattering with his lips. He was speaking with a double heart. Look at chapter 26. 1 Samuel 26, look at verse uh, 1. Uh, 1, sap, 1 Samuel chapter 26, verse 1. <coughs> and the Ziphites came unto Saul to Gebeah, saying, Doth not David hide himself in the hill of Hilkiah, which is before Jeshimon? Then Saul arose and went down to the wilderness of Ziph, having 3,000 chosen men of Israel with him to seek David in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul pitched in the hill of Hilkilah, which is before Jeshimon, by the way. But David abode in the wilderness, and he saw that Saul came out after him into the wilderness. David, David therefore sent out spies and understood that Saul was come in very deed. So you can almost imagine David thinking, surely not, surely not. After all those nice things, those nice things that he said to me, surely, surely he's not coming after me again. Look, I'm just going to send some guys out. I'm just going to just check, you know, just to make sure, you know. So this, you know, uh, I'm just going to check and, and, and see whether it's the case. And they come back. Yep, he's coming indeed. He's doing it again. So this time, David, he decides to uh, go to where Saul is. And verse 5, and David arose and came to the place where Saul had pitched, and David beheld the place where Saul lay, and Abner the son of Ner, the captain of his host, and Saul lay in the trench, and the people pitched round about him. Then answered David and said to Ahimelech the Hittite, and to Abishai the, the son of Zariah, brother to Joab, saying, Who will go down with me to Saul to the camp? And Abishai said, I'll go down with thee. So David and Abishai came to the people by night, and behold, Saul lay sleeping within the trench, and his spear stuck in the ground as his bolster, uh, at his bolster. But Abner and the people lay round about him. Then said Abishai to David, God hath delivered thine enemy into thine hand this day. Now therefore let me smite him, I pray thee, with the spear even to the earth at once, and I will not smite him the second time. So we have one of David's men uh, here again saying, let's just, let's just finish it off. Let's just finish it off. But look at David's response to Abishai. And David said to Abishai, destroy him not, for who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? See, David had a, he had a respect toward God. You know, if God had still let Saul live and be king up to this point, 
then that wasn't up to David to stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed. David wanted only whatever the Lord wanted. That's all, that's all he wanted. Even if he couldn't understand the whys or why you know, King Saul's still king at this point and look at the way he's treating me. Uh, but David understood that if the Lord was going to take him out, he would have done it by now. And uh, so he was, he was, that's the heart of David. Verse 10. David said, furthermore, as the Lord liveth, the Lord shall smite him. Or his day shall come to die, or he shall descend into battle and perish. He's living it up to the Lord. And you know, it's not up to me. You know, and that's the attitude that we need to have. We need to have that same attitude as well. Uh, because the Lord uh, avenges. The Lord avenges. Verse 11, The Lord forbid that I should stretch forth mine hand against the Lord's anointed, but I pray thee, take now thou the spear that is in the, at his bolster and the cruise of water and let us go. So David took the spear and the cruise of water from Saul's bolster, bolster and they gat them away and no man saw it nor knew it, neither awake, for they were all asleep because a deep sleep from the Lord had fallen upon them. Then David went over to the other side and stood on top of the hill afar off, a great space between them. And David cried to the people and to Abner, the son of Ner, saying, this is Abner, that's Saul's right-hand man here, he's the commander of his army. And he uh, answered, Thou not, Abner? Then Abner answered and said, Who art thou that criest to the king? And David said to Abner, Art not thou a valiant man? And who is like to thee in Israel? Wherefore then hast thou not kept the Lord thy, uh, the king? For there came one of the people to in to destroy the, uh, thy, thy lord, the king thy lord. So David, he's just pointing out to Abner here that you know, you've let your guard down. You know, if David and Abishai are able to get so close to Saul uh, while they're all sleeping, that's what he's pointing out here. And uh, this thing is not good that thou hast done, says David. He says, as the Lord liveth, ye are worthy to die, because you have not kept your master, the Lord's anointed. And now see where the king's spear is and the cruise of water that was at his bolster. Now look, at, look, look here again. Look here again at the words of Saul. Look what he says. And Saul knew David's voice and he said, Is this thy voice, my son David? Smooth as oil. Smooth as oil. Here he goes again. And David said, It is my voice, my lord, O king. And he said, Wherefore doth my lord thus pursue after his servant? For what have I done? Or what evil is in my hand? Now therefore I pray thee, let my lord the king hear the words of his servant. If the Lord hath stirred thee up, so this is David talking now, if the Lord hath stirred thee up against me, let him accept an offering. But if they be the children of men, cursed be they before the Lord. For they have driven me out this day from abiding in the inheritance of the Lord, saying, Go, serve other gods. See, David's saying, look, if it's the Lord that stirred you up to do this, well, then I'm fine with it. If this is from the Lord and the Lord stirred you up to do this, well, that's fine. But David also knows that he is in the Lord's will. He knows that he is in the Lord's will. He's got no doubt about that and that the Lord hasn't done this. But he's just pointing this out to Saul. See, David knows there's other people out there that hate him as well and getting in the ear of Saul as well. 
You know, he's trying to show Saul, I believe, here that what you're hearing is, is not from the Lord, it's from these uh, other people that hate me. Albert Barnes says this, if the persecution was, was the consequence of the false accusations of slanderers, then cursed be his enemies who, by their actions, drove David out from the only land where Yahweh was worshipped and forced him to take refuge in the country of pagan and idolaters. And uh, so verse 20, Now therefore let not my blood fall to the earth before the face of the Lord, for the king of Israel is come out to seek a flea, as when one doth hunt a partridge in the mountains. So David here, he's making a comparison of himself to a mere flea, or you know, a, a hunted bird. Uh, in comparison to the, to the might of King Saul, the king of Israel. Verse 21, Then said Saul, uh, Now look at this, here we go again. Look at this. I have sinned. Return, my son David, for I will no more do thee harm, because my soul was precious in thine eyes this day. Behold, I have played the fool. I have erred exceedingly. But it's just burning lips with a wicked heart. It's like a potsherd covered with silver dross. When he speaketh fair, believe him not. For there are seven abominations in his heart. He's living out the Proverbs here. And that was the case here with Saul with, and, and it's proven with his actions. He, he's living out the Proverbs. Verse 22, And David answered and said, Behold the king's spear, and let one of the young men come over and fetch it. The Lord renders to every man his righteousness and his faithfulness. For the Lord delivered thee into mine hand to, today, but I would not stretch forth mine hand against the Lord's anointed. And behold, as thy life was much set by this day in mine eyes, so let my life be much set by the eyes of the Lord, and let him deliver me out of all tribulation. Then said Saul to David, look at this, Blessed be thou, my son David, thou, hath, uh, thou shalt both do great things and also shalt prevail, but this is nothing but silver dross. That's nothing but silver dross. So David went on his way and Saul returned to his place. Uh, look at verse 1 of chapter 27. 1 Samuel 27 verse 1, straight after this. And David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines. And Saul shall despair, uh, and Saul shall despair of me, to seek me any more in any coast of Israel, so shall I escape out of his hand. So all these things that he was saying, it was, it was just silver dross, and uh, underneath there was just this bitter heart that just wanted to get rid of him. And uh, if we go back to our main passage in Psalm chapter 12, look at verse 3 to 5. <coughs> Psalm 12, verse 3 to 5, David says, The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things, who hath said, With our tongue we will prevail, our lips are our own, who is Lord over us? For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now will I arise, saith the Lord, I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. See, David knew. He knew this one thing, that he could rely upon the Lord 
uh, for help and safety. David knew that he could just leave it to the Lord to deal with the tongue of the one that speaks with flattering lips and the tongue uh, that speaks proud things. And how did he know? How did he know? How did he know this? Well, it's because the Lord said that he would. And the Lord can be trusted. And when the Lord says something, it'll happen. He can be trusted. Because look at the uh, next, well, actually, we'll look at this. Deuteronomy 32, 35, the Lord says, To me belongeth vengeance and recompense. Their foot shall slide in due time. For the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things that shall come upon them make haste. Proverbs 24, 16 to 22 says, For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. So a just man can fall, but he gets up. He gets up again. And he dusts himself off, and he gets back on track. And I want you to notice this thing just about this before we go on. Notice it doesn't say that a just man gets up seven times. A just man is on his feet. He may fall seven times, but he's not laying down useless on the ground and gets up seven times. It doesn't, it doesn't say that. You know, for some reason these days, unfortunately, uh, we have people that want to turn this on their head. They want to be mischievous for the most part, but then every now and then claim to walk with the Lord. A just man will fall seven times. But I tell you what, most of the time he's walking with the Lord. Verse 17, it says, Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth, and let not thine heart be glad when he stumbleth. Lest the Lord see it, and it displease him, and he turneth away his wrath from him. Fret not thyself because of evil men, neither be thou envious at the wicked, for there shall be no reward to the evil man. The candle of the wicked shall be put out. My son, fear thou the Lord and the king, and meddle not with them that are given to change. For their calamity shall rise suddenly, and who knoweth the ruin of them both? Romans 12, 17, uh, 17 to 21 says this, Recompense to no man, evil for evil, provide things honest in the sight of all men, if it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him a drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with, uh, with good. And, uh, you know, <clears throat> so, you know, we've, we've got to understand that vengeance is the Lord's. We don't uh, take those things uh, upon ourselves to, uh, to do. That's what, how David's heart was with the Lord. And uh, we've got a couple of very sobering passages in the book of Revelation that take us to the end of time as we know it. And the, 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 the book of Revelation says this. Now, this is what we've got to think of, because the Lord will have his day with the wicked. We don't have to worry about these things. The Lord has his day. Revelation 20, verse 11 to 15, says this. And I saw a great white throne, 
and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. You know, but you've got to remember this, that if you're one who has repented and trusted in Christ for salvation to be saved from your sins, then you're not going to be there for this judgment. You've got to understand that. You, know, you won't be judged according to your works. Your works have been nailed uh, to the cross of Jesus Christ. You know, and if that doesn't cause you to want to live for the Lord, well, I don't know what, what will. But uh, verse 13, And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead, which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Then Revelation 21, 7, 8, we read, He that overcometh shall inherit all things. Well, we also read in the Bible that faith is the victory that overcometh the world. And uh, we see that in 1 John chapter 5. But that's a specific faith too, mind you. That's faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, so he that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving, you might say, hey, I thought it was just the abominable, not, not just the unbelieving. Surely it's just all these wicked people out there, you know, that end up in hell. No, but it says, and the unbelieving and the abominable, and the murderers, and the whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So that's why believing in Jesus Christ is so important. That's why it is so important. To have your sins forgiven through the blood of Jesus Christ is so important. You know, but someone might say to me, you know, that's your opinion. That's just your opinion. Well, it is my opinion. It is my opinion. But my opinions are based on the Bible. That's where my opinions are based. Because I believe God to be true, and I believe what he says is true. And I believe every word of it, not just some words of it. You know, this bit might be true. and this, I believe every word of it would be true. And, uh, you know, I believe uh, David knew this too. He knew this. He knew that the Lord would keep him safe. He knew that the Lord would have his day, even with people like Saul, uh, with all these other uh, people that were getting in Saul's ear. David was leaving it to the Lord. But look at verse 6 to 7 of our main text. David says this, Psalm 12, 6 to 7, he says, The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. This is what David knew about the Lord. This is what, how much David trusted the Lord. And, you know, this isn't like silver dross covered, uh, you know, covering an old clay pot. You know, it isn't just a, a thin veneer that can't be trusted like Saul's words. It's a silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified, seven times and I thank the Lord uh, that I have his word Amen. I thank the Lord that I have it and I thank the Lord that he's, he will keep them and he has preserved them uh, forever forever 
Unfortunately, today it is said that there are over 600 different English translations of the Bible. I mean, you think about that. How can you say the same thing 600 different times in the same language and uh, try and make it say the same thing 600 different times? You just try and do that. Try and say something in the same language 600 different times, the same thing. That's how crazy it's gotten. But that's what happens when you don't trust God to preserve his words or to keep his words. See, committee after committee still trying to work out what should be in the word of God and what shouldn't be in the word of God. That's what you have with a lot of these modern Bible translations. It's just a committee saying, well, I don't think it should be said this way or this shouldn't be in there, that should be in there. Uh, this is, and, they, and they're just, you know, I can't wait till they find the Bible one day. You know, maybe they'll, they'll work it all out before Christ comes back. That's how crazy it is. You know, that's just, just ridiculous when you think about it. And uh, someone might say, oh, you're just one of those, you know, King James Bible fanatics. No, I'm not. I'm just a fanatic that believes that the Bible, uh, when it says in Psalm 12, 6 and 7, that the words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in the furnace of earth, purified seven times, Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. I believe it. I can hold this Bible up in my hand. I can say, you want to see the word of God? Here it is. I don't believe you've got to go looking for it. I don't believe you can take anything away from it. I don't believe you can add anything to it. And uh, sadly, these days, people are still trying to work out what should and shouldn't be in there or how it should be said. And uh, that's, that's sad. I believe this was translated from the correct manuscripts into English, you know, around 400 years ago. We don't have to uh, keep looking for the Word of God. And uh, I believe it's in set, settled in heaven. Psalm 119, 89 says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Psalm 119, 160 says, Thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. Matthew 24, 25, Jesus said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. 1 Peter 1, 24-25, Peter wrote this, he says, For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which, uh, which by the gospel is preached unto you. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, uh, but... <coughs> Uh, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So if we're meant to uh, live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, then I expect to have it. Then I expect to have every word. And I'll tell you where it is. Here it is. It's in my hands. If you want to see it, here it is. Here's every word of God. I believe what Jesus said, and I believe I have it. And I'm not venerating the words so much here of this book. I mean, they're just English words, right? But I'm venerating the God of his word who promised to preserve them and to keep them. That's who I'm venerating. Because there's a lot of people in the world that just don't believe it. So the devil's been trying to trick people right from the beginning. Yea, hath God said. And then he uses a bit of God's word and he changes it up. And then he deceives people. It's still happening today. 
You know, and it shows in the way they live and also in the things they say. Like Saul. But not necessarily in the things they say because you can say all the right things, can't you? You can say all the right things like Saul but live contrary to what you say. And that's what Saul was doing with David. All his words were just silver dross, but it was just ugly clay underneath. I don't know where Saul stood with the Lord in the end. I don't know. I'll just stand where David stands. You know, let the Lord deal with him. Let the Lord deal with them that would get in his ear. I, I don't know. You know, I hope to see Saul in heaven one day. But I just leave it, leave it with the Lord. That's what David did. But I know what I want to be. I don't want to be a Saul. I want to be a David. And I think that's how we all should want to be. We want to be honest with our words. We want to be uh, upfront with the things that we say. And if it's not from here, don't say it. If it's not from here, don't say it. David finishes off the psalm in our main passage saying this. <coughs> psalm 12, verse 8. He says, The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. And how true is that of the, of the day that we live in? Our politicians can barely be trusted and they speak with a double heart, yet they are constantly being voted in. What they promise before they get voted in and then they go back on those promises. They say one thing and then they say another thing and people just vote them back in. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. The vilest musicians are at the top of the charts. The vilest of movies are the ones that sell the most tickets and so on. This is what happens. Now, no wonder we are seeing wickedness abounding in our world today and people getting harder and harder towards Christianity. It's because the wicked walk on every side when the vilest of men are exalted. And that's what we're seeing. But what we've got to understand is that the Lord will take care of that. The Lord will take care of all that, as David said in verse 5 of our passage. Psalm 12, verse 5, he says, For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now will I arise, saith the Lord, I will set him in safety from him that puffeth, puffeth at him. And I believe those words can be trusted. I believe the Lord will keep his word as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. We, we can trust the Lord. Amen. Let's pray. Amen.